The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Top five movies. Movies. Top five. Top five movies. Top five. Top five movies. Top five. Top five. Top five movies. Top five movies. Hey everybody, welcome to Top Five Movies. I'm Jonathan Burke, and with me this week is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And Michael Sanchez. Hello. And if you've never listened to the podcast before, welcome. Um, on this podcast, we uh, pick a topic. We make our list in private, and then we reveal them here on the episode. Uh, this week's topic, we're doing top five collaborations, and this is specifically between director and actor, um, inspired by the release of the very bad Mile 22, uh, <laughs> which I believe is the uh, fifth collaboration of Mark Wahlberg and Peter Berg. Um, it, is, it is bad. Uh, Mark Wahlberg yell monologues a whole bunch in this movie. Um what no dude no. they i don't know if you guys uh bothered to see the accountant from last year with ben affleck but yes. he's i yes. wanted to so um you know that character is i i don't know if they ever say he's autistic but that's definitely what they're it's, leaning towards i think it's heavily implied that he's on the <laughs> yes. spectrum um so Wahlberg's character is definitely uh there is a whole scene where characters debate what mental disorder he has um <laughs> But uh, did you it, did you did they have a conversation? Did you all see the accountant? He's not uh, that. Yeah. Well, so um, early we get a flashback montage of like him like becoming this like secret agent type character because he was like a genius, and then his parents died, so he was orphaned. So it was like perfect because you know no 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 connections to the world, and then you see he has a temper, and he's trained uh, by like a child psychologist to wear a rubber band on his wrist. And whenever his thoughts are going too fast, he's supposed to pop the rubber band. So you get this popping sound throughout the film as he's popping the rubber band, like, incessantly. Um, But then he's also super smart, but he's also super angry. So he's constantly yelling at everybody, like, belittling them. Uh, It's almost like if Sheldon on Big Bang Theory were really, really angry instead of just frustrated. Like, I mean, like, not... And could do something about it because it's Wahlberg. So Wahlberg is a, you know, he's a scary guy normally. He's muscular and he's he's always playing a guy who's trained to kill. So you, you add that and then he's like yelling historical facts at them. Like, what about what Lincoln said at the Gettysburg Address and blah, blah, blah. Like just, it's it's so bad. Does, um, does it even make sense for him to bring up the Gettysburg Address? Maybe, but no. Uh, it's definitely not like what normal people would have brought to the argument. But it, contextually, yes. But no, and it, it may not be. He says something about Lincoln. It may not be Gettysburg Address, but um, John Malkovich is in Mile Twenty Two. Um, they never are in the same room, but they're in constant communication over radio. The two of them. And at one point, Malkovich even comments like, "Stop monologuing." I'm like, "Tell that to Peter Berg, please." <laughs> um, like it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't forgive the excessive monologuing by having Malkovich make a joke about it. So you know, um, it's it's man, it's bad, and the action sequences are, are edited horribly. They're they so they should have gone ultra meta and had John Cusack make an appearance, yeah, and yeah. be the one that prompted the stop monologuing. Yes, line. So, um, that that was the inspiration for the topic. Uh, I I can say uh, for with with utmost certainty, um, I've only seen this and Patriots Day of their collaborations. I know they've also done Lone Survivor, Deepwater Horizon, and I think there was one more. This maybe Mile Twenty Two was the fourth. I thought there was five. 
Um, so I'm not sure what the other collaboration was, if I'm correct. But um, I haven't seen Lone Survivor or Deepwater Horizon. Um, I've heard mixed things about both. Uh, Patriots Day has some good stuff in it. I don't know if Wahlberg was necessary, but I I wonder. I know that a good amount of those are based on real life characters. I wonder if there's going to be a, a a film collaboration between the two of them that brings all of these together, and he's actually been imagining himself <laughs> in yeah, all like, these. Well, and that's in uh, Patriots Day. Mark Wahlberg's character is a fictional police officer. Uh-huh. Um, he's like an amalgamation of several officers that actually were involved um, because the, they throw jurisdiction out the window because if you're <laughs> familiar with the um, the Patriot Day uh, is based on the, the Boston Marathon bombing from a few years back, um, the, the people are caught, the terrorists or whatever you want to call them are caught, the bombers are caught in another county. So the police officer that he is working for would not have been at the the scene when they were arrested, but in the movie they just let that go. You know, it's like whatever. He he um, has psychic psychic paper that gives him jurisdiction yeah, across he, he can go wherever. space time. Correct. So. Uh, no no worries there. Uh, so normally when we do a, uh, one of these top five movies, we're listing movies, and this time we're not. We're going to be listing directors and actor combinations that have done multiple movies together. That's the idea here is that they've collaborated more than once. Oh. Um, oh, 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 no, I, I listed some movies. Oh, well, I mean, I exactly. No. <laughs> it's not just one movie. You've listed several movies probably for each pairing. Um, so I, that's where I'm, I'm not sure how we're going to do our our normal wager for uh, how many of Mike's movies we've seen, because you're probably going to have more than five movies that you mentioned. Um, I know I will, because like, I think most of them have at least three so movies together. So maybe we should go how many of the collaborations you think. Have we seen will... at least a, a movie with them collaborating together. Right, okay, okay. Well, you're going to get some of them. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I actually have one. I'm pretty sure it's going to be on your list, but I don't want to say it just yet. Um, you I was probably thinking, know the, which, which you probably even the place that it's in, I get a feeling. Ooh, that that I'm not as confident about, but I, I do feel confident that one director-actor combo is on your list. Um, and that's the thing, too. Usually I try, and I know Corey does this as well, we try to leave some, like, the obvious ones off. But for this, it was like, well, yeah, I can't. So yeah, I have to have some of my obvious. Um, I think there are a few obvious ones that aren't on my list, but I also I didn't leave somebody out um, for any particular reason. Like, I, if it was just really trying to pick like um, where I feel like this is a really awesome combination of of director and actor, and it, I have to mention them. Um, so I have a lot of honorable mentions this time around, though. So. Um, I feel oh one last thing uh before we get into our list i do uh i have been a voice against movie passes changes over the last couple of months um on social media and whatnot i've been like poking at them for a while even even taylor brought it up last night yeah um because i i've been an avid customer of theirs for a long time and so many people have movie pass that know me because of me um people came to me when the sale started when they went on uh to 995 last year people came to me to like verify like have you ever heard of this do you know if they're any good and i'd already been with them for a whole year and at that time they were very good and i don't think anyone uh, with any sense of business thought this company could sustain this that model forever we and were I, just gonna yeah but 
I, I don't have an issue with them changing. I have an issue with all the shady business practices that we've seen over the last couple of months. Um, and so I've been poking at them on social media for a while, but have never heard back from them until today, guys. <laughs> I knew this was coming. Okay. Uh, so I tweeted at them this morning because they're limiting how – they're not just limiting um, – if you still have a pass, it's you're only able to see three movies now for 10 bucks, which is still not a bad deal. No, if you could see a movie. If you can see a movie, and that's what I'm still very mad at is that they are not only limiting how many movies you can see, they're still limiting what movies you can see um, severely. And so for the last three days – my theater has only had two movies available, which is what they're doing at most theaters, my understanding. Yeah. But the two movies they had available for me today, both were premium screenings, meaning they were both 3D screenings, and that's not supported. And so there were no movies available for me. It said to, but then it said, and there, I took a screen grab where it says, like, the, here's my movie options. Both say not available. So I tweeted that picture um, with a, with a, comment um because you know i gotta make a joke when i can um i'm gonna read my little tweet i said uh at movie pass so the only movie options i have at my local theater are premium screenings not supported that's their exact wording um will the next update to the program just have someone come and describe the movies to me or will it be via text um and so several hours later uh they finally responded to me and said please send us a dm with your email address and a brief description about your concern thank you so I've DM'd them, but I've not heard from them yet. I've not received an email from them, and it has been um, a couple hours. Uh, that was at four forty when I emailed them, so or messaged them. It's like you feel bad because as people, I know that you and I have worked in retail for a long time. Like the the forward, the people that deal with the customers or the patrons are not the people that have anything to do with. The mess. They're not the ones making the decisions that are changing the program or ruining no. the program. Because again, they, I'm not a person complaining that. about the the switch Give to three tickets, three like, movies. Yeah, let me see what I want to see. Let me see three movies. <laughs> like it feels yeah, like. Yeah, it's like last week I couldn't see really anything. There, there was one screening. I want to see the Meg. I'm not even. I'm mm -hmm. not even like embarrassed about it. No, I I've seen it. Really oh bad. yeah, me too. I want to. I want to. To like ever since I've seen the trailers, there was one screening last week that was not premium, and it was eleven mm -hmm. eleven fifteen or eleven twenty five in the morning. I'm not going to the movies that early. That's well, not happening today. It was available at my theater, but in three D, so it wasn't available. So just you know, throwing that out there. Um, I I don't even understand how that could be. That's like the the gross manipulation of their systems. Like no no, we offered two movies. But those movies aren't supported, so you can't go, right? It's not our fault. It's not our fault, said MoviePass, uh, ironically. Um, I, oh, all that's in mine are 3D and IMAX, every single one right now, and yeah. it says that they're not supported. There's so, nothing I can choose. And I have no times left right now, and there's still... Um, to be fair, my theater does often stop movies at 7 o'clock on school nights, um, so it is a Sunday <laughs> night, so it's possible that the last screenings have happened. But I've been checking all day, and there's been nothing. At one point, they did add Crazy Rich Asians, just one show of it. But still, like, when throughout the day I've been checking, and it's predominantly been no, no screenings except for those premium screenings that are not available. So, MoviePass, um, I am going to leave. I unfortunately paid for a year, so I'm in till December. But unless something severely changes to your consistency with availability of screenings, what are you even doing except for taking our money? Um, 
I mean, it, you're essentially asking us to pay you rent under the pretense that we may get to stay the night in the house once in a while. Um, it's ridiculous. Like, I've never seen anybody offer you a service and then not allow you to use the service you are paying for. Um, it is, and again, I know they, they've told us they're going to limit screenings and all of that, but it is, it's beyond what they've said. It is, it is true manipulation of their wording. Like, they're, they're being ambiguous enough that they can screw customers over, hoping to keep their ticket sales to a minimum because they are hemorrhaging money. Just die already. Um, and I was reading because I was, I, I don't think I've used my movie pass at all this month. I had to pay for Black Klansmen. Mm-hmm. I've been having I to pay for, for that. my movies. I paid and... for that. I paid for the Meg. Uh, actually, I had a free ticket oh, at Regal Cinemas. Oh, I did get to use it for Slenderman. I, Slenderman. Sorry, yeah. I did get to use it one time. Me too, Corey. And I, I wish I hadn't been able to use it for Slenderman because that movie was awful. <laughs> so, so bad. And you tried to get me to go see it. Oh, my. He, my eight... We would have laughed very hard. I was laughing it, at the movie. I was just like, are you real? Um, and my matinee ticket is less than my monthly fee for mm-hmm. movie pass. Yeah, so I, what am I? I have. For? I'm in place. I'm going to starting. I'm pretty sure it's, I would have started this past Saturday, but I had tickets to go see Doug Loves Movies uh, with my wife, which was great fun. Um, David Keckner, who you might know as a, uh, um, he's in Anchorman. He's the guy that says whammy. He was uh, Todd Packer on The Office. You know. Um, he was yeah. one of the guests at Douglas nice. Movies. Nice, that's and, cool. Uh, Kathy was super stoked about that because um, I guess she was she she kept saying she's like I'm fangirling so hard. I'm like, really? I'm like, I mean, I like him a lot, but like, fangirling? Okay. Um, but hey, you I, know, I, I I don't see her saying that actually. But I know okay. she shocked me. Um, um, but yeah, it was it was great. Uh, did you? I didn't realize that. Um... The mother of one of our students was a fan. Oh. And she made a poster with her name and got to meet him. Oh, what was the... Do you remember... Uh, Misty, the post- Misty, Science, Misty Science Theater 3000. Oh, Success. that was that was not one of the chosen posters, but... Um, oh, okay. Well, she had a picture and everything. Oh, but, man. Good. Yeah. See, it I was... need to be better at finding them after... Like, I get so overwhelmed by the crowds. Um Especially because uh, David Keckner was doing stand-up, like, immediately after. Like, I think it was, like, 20-minute turnover time from when the show ended to when his stand-up was supposed to start. So, uh, there was, like, a huge line outside for him. But, um, I, I, I will, you know, Mike, you've gone with me a few times beforehand, but uh, this is the first time my wife's gone to this podcast. Um, she did go to a uh, Jance on the Bob Get Old recording once, um, but... Uh, you know, I love that she'll come to those with me because uh, you know she didn't know what she was getting into for Douglas movies. How? Yeah, how'd she like it? She she seemed to enjoy it. Um, she she was getting she she admitted she got a little frustrated with the games because she was having a hard time. Like either she didn't know what movies they were saying. Um, their Last Man Stanton, uh, which I'm, I feel comfortable saying this because our episode will come out on Thursday and his episode of Douglas movies should come out on Monday. Um, so you, if you're a fan, you could have already listened to the episode, but, uh, the last man Stanton, they do Chris Rock and, um, Michael Fassbender movies. So not together, obviously like either or like, so to make it better for the, the, the guest. And, um, Kathy was like one, she had no clue who Michael Fassbender was. <gasps> I know Corey, I know, what? but it dawned on me. I don't think she's seen any of his films. Um, he's done a lot of indie stuff. And then the mainstream stuff he's done are the X-Men movies, and she hasn't really cared about those for a long but time. But you need so. to show her The Light Between Oceans. I saw the book today and almost 
check agreed, it out. Agreed, agreed. Um, and actually, I was just talking to our uh, our friend Matt Hudson um, from what I watched tonight about him watching Frank. Um, I like really sold Frank super hard, and Doug Benson's a huge fan of Frank, by the way. I don't know if you know that or not, but um, uh, and then Corey, not Corey, <laughs> Kathy, excuse me, um, was like having a hard time like recalling Chris Rock movies, uh, which so was I, to be fair. Like his some of his movies are not so good, um, but. Yeah, it was it was a good episode. It was a lot of fun. Um, had uh, local comedian Matt uh, Matt Fernandez, um, who I, I I've seen. He's been at I think everyone you've gone to with me, Mike. Yeah, I um, think so. And uh, he's a local guy from Tampa, but he has a stand-up special coming out on Amazon Prime this year. So I'm really excited because he's a local guy getting a, an hour special on Prime. So it's, it's nice. pretty pretty big for him. Um, and if you're interested in Matt Fernandez, you can look him up on Twitter under uh, he's at fat. Uh, Mernandez, so it's he took Matt Fernandez and switched the M and the F, so it's Fat Mernandez, um, <laughs> with the fat having two T's because that's how Matt spelled. Okay, um, enough about all of that. Uh, it's good to talk to you guys. Uh, we're gonna get into our top five movies just because you know we all have stuff to do. Work is back, and Mike and I are both swamped. Um, and I know Corey's already. Corey and I just recorded uh, Movie Club before this, so. Oof. Yeah, we're we're ready to uh, to get through our top five. Um, this week, I'm going to be going first, uh, Corey second, Mike third. Before we get into our discussions of our favorite collaborations between directors and actors, Corey. Oh, guys, go check out our list at bergreviews.com. Otherwise, from here on out, <laughs> there will be spoilers. I think that's like the first time she's ever not known why I yelled her name. <laughs> I'm like thinking about my list. She's like, I already did a spoiler warning on the last yeah, episode. I know. I'm like, oh god. Um, you got to do it every <laughs> episode. <laughs> really, at this point, I should just make a bumper of it so she doesn't have to. But <laughs> I feel like it's more fun to do it this way. Um, and then, if you're a new listener, I think we briefly touched on this already, but um, Corey and I like to wager how many of Mike's movies on his list we've seen. Uh, because Mike has a tendency to, to have seen some movies that we've never even heard of. And so it became a fun game to see um, if who's seen the most. Uh, this time it's going to be a little different. So we're looking more at um, we've seen at least one movie of the director-actor collaboration. Um, I'm going to go big, Corey, if you don't mind me going first go hit picking. I'm going to say four. Four of his five. Dang. I'm going to go... I'll go three. Ooh, all right. Um, Corey didn't realize we've we've actually started making bets now, so she actually owes me like fifty thousand dollars, I think. So, um, oh, poor you! <laughs> Don't spend money you know have. <laughs> Okay, I'll keep that in mind. Um, okay, good. <laughs> but so, uh, starting off, I'm going first. Um, my my first one is I I could easily see this being somebody's first, and even. I don't feel like my list is as, like, normally when we do a top five, it is very much, I feel like my number one is my number one. I feel like this is a very fluid list that I could move around easily at any time. Yes. And I don't always yes. give that disclaimer, but because of the uh, the nature of this list, I, I, I had a much harder time organizing the order. Um, but what I went with was um, Paul Thomas Anderson is my director here. And the collaboration, I'm going to go with, uh, I think, one of the best actors living today, um, Daniel Day-Lewis. So they've only done two films together so far, but they did last year's Phantom Thread, and then they did uh, There Will Be Blood. And Ooh, I love both of those movies uh, so much, and 
Um, I while Daniel Day Lewis was supposedly Phantom Thread was his last film, he's supposedly retiring from acting. Um, I'm hoping that PTA can pull him in for one more movie um, to to firm up their like trifecta because I, I don't know if you could do two better movies than Phantom Thread and There Will Be Blood. Like they are so masterful. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson is a director that Corey and I just explored uh, some of his work a few months back um, because I was so unfamiliar with his work. Um, I had only seen There Will Be Blood and Phantom Thread, I think, actually, before we did our podcast um, uh, month of where we watched um, Inherent Vice and Boogie Nights. Well, I'd seen Boogie Nights, but it was I was a kid and didn't appreciate it as a film then. Um, and we also watched Magnolia and uh, his first film, Hard Eight. Um, so I could have easily have gone with John C. Riley and Paul, T- Paul Thomas Anderson as the collaboration because uh, Riley's in almost all of his films. I could have gone Philip Seymour Hoffman, um, who's in so many of his films, and both would have been well-deserved. But Daniel Day-Lewis is such a tremendous talent. Um, and, I mean, I just rewatched uh, a scene from um, There Will Be Blood today on YouTube when I, I'm prepping lesson plans and stuff for work, and... I was just reminded of how blown away I was when I watched that movie. Um, And then Phantom Thread. I mean, oh, I loved his performance. Although, to be fair, I I love the the lead female the most in that movie because she's just came out of nowhere and stood toe-to-toe with Daniel Day-Lewis. But um, I'm a fan of Day-Lewis. Yeah, I'm a fan of Day-Lewis outside of PTA's movies. Um, uh, Lincoln with Spielberg I thought was insane like how transformative he was um he worked with scorsese on gangs of new york love that movie um i love i i don't love that movie uh cameron diaz and leo both give you know uneven performances but day lewis as bill the butcher is so great um so yeah that's my number five paul thomas anderson and daniel day lewis um two movies together but man what two movies they've made that's a good yeah. yeah how can you go wrong with Daniel Day-Lewis. Now I feel bad that none of my picks will be at that level. Why you got a next level us? Well, uh, you know, it's uh, putting him number five is uh, some people would probably scoff at me. Um, but also, uh, I don't know. It was again, like I have, I have some people on my honorable mentions that I'm like, man, how do I not have them on my top five? But you know, I went with, uh, I went with some favorites of my own. So, um, and i freaking love phantom thread yes yeah uh i mean that movie is one of my favorites from last year let alone um of pta's films like it's easily up there uh it might i mean i still have to watch punch punch Drunk love um which i heard is great and i do own now i just haven't watched yet and i still need to watch uh the master with um with uh joaquin and uh again philip seymour hoffman is also in that one um but yeah, PTA is a, is a director that obviously a lot of people already respected, but I was mm-hmm. so unfamiliar with before this year, um, had not seen much of his works. And now that I have, I'm like, wow, what was I, what was I doing sleeping on, yeah. on PTA movies? So, um, one of those things, man, you have those gaps, you just got to knock them out and then you realize how, uh, how great they are. All right. Uh, that's my number five PTA, Daniel Day Lewis, um, Corey, what do you have for number five? Okay, I went with Sofia Coppola oh. and Kirsten Dunst. Okay. I, um, uh, they've, I've seen their three movies that they've worked together on, The Virgin Suicides, 
her um Kirsten Dunst playing Lux is probably my favorite role that she's played and I tried to read the book and the book just I just couldn't get into it but hmm. um Marie Antoinette which is just beautiful and then The Beguiled from last year which uh, was yes. a remake yes um so I just I don't know I feel like they work really well together I like to see Kirsten Dunst and the roles that she makes you know for her so yeah because sometimes I feel like she's cast pretty weakly well she gets typecast I think as the cheerleader kind of character mm-hmm. and um Sophia gets her in these independent roles and she's able to really I think shine that she's you know no she can act she's not just mm-hmm. a ditzy cheerleader yeah, yeah. It, she has to have proper direction because otherwise she's just there uh yeah I mean uh I, I don't know that you guys are interviewed with the vampire fans, but I like I really yes. did like her. And well, I don't remember if someone wasn't, but um, I'm not. John. I'm not. Yeah. I don't like it. But I watched it when I was an adult, uh, so I don't know if that has any impact on it. But you guys have been fans probably since it came out. I watched it what two years ago. Um, VHS. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm not a fan, but not necessarily. Kirsten Dunst's character is probably the most compelling part of that movie to me. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, uh, probably at the time I put, a, uh, I was okay with her in Spider Man. I don't know that. Holds, I, I don't think anything this, about that holds up. <laughs> yeah, no. Now looking back, it was the Spider Man we got, but didn't. Does you know? Anyway, <laughs> um, and that's saying because, a lot because I did like like it at the time a lot, and I just I, I, you're right, it doesn't hold up. But yeah, that anything she's worked on worked. That Sofia Coppola has had a hand in that she does speaks a lot to to her uh, mm-hmm. directing ability um, as well. Uh, what was another one? I think there's one that she was the rich from an affluent family, but was involved with someone that wasn't, and it just didn't work. I just didn't buy mm-hmm. it, and I cannot remember. Uh, it's probably good I can't remember it because that way you don't have to suffer through it. Ah. Hold on, are you talking about Kirsten Dunst? I think so. Was that the Melancholia? I didn't want to see. No, 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 no. That I did want to see because of, um, um, oh my gosh, I forgot. I've gone blank and I really enjoy his movies. Uh, My favorite Sofia Coppola film, though, is Lost in Translation, which Kirsten is not in. Um, but I do, uh, it's Bill Murray for one, and then Scarjo. Um, I, I, I think Scarjo might be underrated as a dramatic actress and i think uh, lost in translation really sh- sh- like showcases that um, i wonder lars lars van trier did uh, melancholia and i did like what i he he's a director i really like so all good things with brian gosling where he's from the affluent family no that wasn't it i'm gonna dig it you don't really want to know the name of this it's not very good well the only movie i think that would fit that description on sophia's list is the bling ring but Kirsten's no, it's, it's not a Kirsten, in that. A Kirsten, oh, it's a Kirsten. Okay, well then. Um, well, oh, fine. I will. I will look for it. But you, you it'll all end in tears. But <laughs> I think, uh, Corey, this is a good, solid pick, though. Sofia Coppola has proven herself to be a, a very qualified director, and um, I, I watched Suicide, uh, Virgin Suicide. Excuse me. Um, Suicide Squad. No, uh, Virgin Suicide. Uh, two years ago, um, during the, the challenge, I think Kathy f- watched it and then like had me. She's like, "You gotta watch this movie." And um, 
I, I kind of went in not knowing anything about it, and I'm, I wasn't, like, thrilled that Kirsten, du- Kirsten Dunst was in it. I I will defend uh, Bring It On. I think Bring It On is very it's funny. It's a good movie. Um, I think maybe underappreciated because of the cheerleading element of it. Although, um, there's definitely a fan base for that film, but I, I like that movie quite a bit. And um, I oh, also uh, oh. found it for you because now you want to suffer. So proceed at your own risk. Crazy Beautiful. Ah, well, Kirsten Dunst, though, um, is also in uh, Midnight Special, and I think she's really good in that. Oh, yes. Yes, um, she was. And that's so, again, like, she is definitely a talented actress in the hands of the right director. Um, I, it seems to be a trend. So I think solid pick, Corey, uh, for number five. Sophia Coppola, Kirsten Dunst. Let's go to Mike. What is your number five, sir? All right, right off the top of the bat, and I didn't realize how prolific a career this particular director had. Uh, because my memory is him, uh, the director is named Stuart Gordon, and Brian Yuzna working on horror films. There's two specific mm. horror films where they all three collab- or they collaborated with actor Jeffrey Combs. And the reason that is surprising to me because these two films that they worked on together are far removed from the other stuff that I'm looking at, and specifically the one I'm thinking of is Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Honey, I Blew Up the Kids. Yeah. Uh, and so that's part, I didn't realize that Stuart Gordon was in, involved with this. Jeffrey Collins wasn't. The two that I'm thinking of should not surprise you. I'm pretty sure I've brought them up before. Reanimator, mm-hmm. where Jeffrey Combs plays Dr. Herbert West, and From Beyond, where he plays Crawford Tillinghast, who is a, an assistant. Basically, it's a Reanimator is pretty much a straight-up H.P. Lovecraft zombie story that definitely is updated and reworked to be what it is. And it's I remember it distinctly as being the first U. I didn't know what the U stood for very prominently on the screen, on the on the marquee, mm. um, and the main drag on the way to Hialeah, or just out of Hialeah in Miami. And I always wondered what that was about. So once it came out on video, I was drawn to it, and I was not disappointed uh, i was probably too young to be watching it so with that eventually <laughs> led me to from beyond which was another hp lovecraft adaptation done differently jeffrey combs ended up eventually working in the oh man i keep drawing blanks on stuff the it was michael j fox with the, when he could see the ghosts and peter jackson directed um, oh my gosh uh mm-hmm, let's see uh the why frighteners the frighteners the frighteners thank you it came to me as soon as you started with the yeah. f sound because i remember one i'm a fan of jeffrey combs and so long. it was and i remember seeing it at the theater both rachel and i saw it at the theater and i enjoyed it a lot and i don't know that it did that well box office wise but i remember really liking it and he played he has the snack of playing very quirky very herbert west is creepy crawford tillinghast is not nearly as creepy, but he played him exactly how I felt. It's just the assistant who's got drawn in for the ride, and they take him back to the scene of a crime when they're opening a portal to another dimension that's floating around us that we just don't realize because we can't see it. Um, both of those are definitely me movies. They are they define me as far as horror is <laughs> concerned. So there was there we are. I still need to. Uh, I've seen parts of Reanimator with you actually. Um, when when Ash vs Evil Dead first premiered on Stars, like we, oh, we yeah. watched part of it after we watched that first episode, 
and um, I think I had to leave though, so I wasn't able to finish it. But um, I'm very familiar with it mainly because of you. It's a movie that I mean, it's I used to look at the box art for it at, when I worked at Fye because it was just like so it just stood out to me. Like every time I look at the rack, that box stood out. And I think we had a special edition that came with the syringe. Oh um, man! So like I was cool. constantly like looking at it, like wow, that's kind of cool. I don't know anything about that movie, um, but it's one that I know I need to really like do my homework on. Um, what was the, the director? I'm not as familiar with the actor Jeffrey Combs. You said yes. He ended up playing one of the Dominion leaders on Star Trek Deep, Deep Space Nine, hmm. and parlayed that into a role as um, oh man, they were. They're the antagonists for the Vulcans and Enterprise, the Andorians with the antenna, blue skin. Mm. So he definitely, I don't know what he's been up to lately, but, oh, and one of my favorite, favorite roles, he did voiceover work and played the question. He's got this distinct tenor to his voice. So I'm like, oh, I know who that is. I instantly recognized it. And it's the question isn't one of those main characters in the DC universe. But I'm very familiar with the question. Yeah, the blink. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah, any any uh, Batman fan knows um, should know the question because he's he or she, depending on when you've read the comics, because right. it does become right. a female character, um, has appeared in several Batman issues. Um, the detective, you know, crossover kind of thing. So yeah, um, it's, it, it's one of those characters that is overlooked and. I'm, see, I'm thinking up ideas for our spirit week coming whenever that comes. I've already, Ooh. I've already been a major influence on one of mine that I've mentioned on this podcast several times, and they've got a lot of gift money sitting around, and they have already planned. It. I've seen their order list of what they're getting ah. for for their cosplay, so I'm excited that I was able to yeah. use my power for good. I want to say though, I'm looking at the uh, combination of Jeffrey Combs and Stuart Gordon, and I saw Fortress with christopher lambert uh, and so no, it does count no it counts though oh it I, counts it counts because they are both involved they're in both it. involved so i get one well, well i'll be honest i passed judgment on it and i, I apologize for interrupting it's uh, mm, christopher lambert leaves a bad taste in my mouth uh, oh no not, i'm not saying it's a good movie so okay, okay. <laughs> that's why i've avoided it i've actively avoided it but i saw it. it oh i'm sorry yeah i was young uh it looked interesting it's not highlander though highlander the first the, one Okay, and then me, everything. Well, I heard the second one was a disaster. It was just they get a mess. But I mean, come on, why? How do you cast that guy as Raiden? How? Mm, that's a good question. Especially when you watch uh, Big Trouble Little China, and there's like, hey, look, Raiden. There's Raiden. <laughs> that's him. Um. Nope. All right, so that's uh, Mike's pick. Corey, have you seen uh, Reanimator Fortress or what was the other movie, Mike? Um, From Beyond. From Beyond. I have not. I do own Reanimator, so one oh, day. Oh, wow. Do you really? Then get on it. Put it on right yeah, now. Yeah, I have it on Criterion. I, uh, wow. Is it a Steelbook? Maybe I'm lying. Criterion Steelbook? doesn't Maybe. do Steelbook. Um, yeah, Criterion oh. doesn't do that. And, and we can't start picking on her about Criterion, because then you'll have to pick on me, because I've also started collecting Criterion. <laughs> no, I lied. I don't own that one. <laughs> Uh, oh, I think my movies lied. are right behind me. I, you I've know, even, I don't know. I'm sorry. I've got my Criterion all bunched together now on one, like on my Blu-ray shelf. So like, I just can look and see the logo. Like, I'm like, ah, it's so, it's so stupid that it makes me feel so good to have. I don't even have that many. I think I've got movies like that 12. you already own. 
Yeah. But on Criterion. Because of the stupid stupid. box art. And (laughs) sometimes the special features, but the box art is what gets me, like, for all the Wes Anderson movies. I own all of them. Um, Now I do, because I didn't own Royal Tenenbaums. Um, Thank you, Corey, for my birthday present. Um, Nice. But, uh, and also Bottle Rocket, she got me, I think, last year. Um, Wow. So, uh, I I don't own Moonrise Kingdom, just hint, hint for Christmas. But, um... Do you want to own that, though? No, because I don't think I can watch it again. (laughs) Okay. I just watched it again this week. I I, I get so uncomfortable with the makeout and the underwear. My daughter and I were watching it, and I was uncomfortable at that that point. But then we moved forward. I'm not sure why the inclusion of that, but otherwise... That's my issue with that movie. uh, I was okay with everything else. Well, and she was too, which I was surprised she lasted through the uh, through the duration. I know that because we're moving on. Um, actually, so that's another act, director who I probably should have on my top five, but he's not going to show up there. Um, but I'm going to go. Uh, if Corey doesn't have this next combination on her list, it's because she forgot, and she will be very upset that it's not on her list. I think. Oh, no, um, <laughs> she didn't forget. Just I have. You probably uh, have it in the same spot. I have, <laughs> I have uh, Jeff Nichols and Michael Shannon um, as collaboration because they have done, I think, almost every <laughs> one of Jeff Nichols' movies together. Um, I'm out. <laughs> you forgot? Nope. <laughs> oh, is okay. this your number four? <laughs> this is my number four. Um, it's I ha- mine, too. Is it really? Yes. Mike see, nailed it. <laughs> see, I mean, come on. Um, it's not like this hasn't happened before. No. And no, it's so no, funny when it's the same you know, number, though. Like I, just, yeah. like I just said a moment ago, I don't appreciate both y'all's ruse here. Um, I did not talk we about this ahead of, time, ahead of time. But mm-hmm. uh, um, the only one of the movies I've not seen is Shotgun Stories, which I, I'm... The same. Oh, I thought you had seen it. Okay, so never mind. Um, but I love Take Shelter so much. Um, Mud, while he is a minor character in Mud... I, he was probably one of my favorite aspects of Mud, but uh, Midnight Special, I was so into. Oh, yeah. And then um, he's got a very small part in Loving, but I mm. love the scene he's in in Loving. Michael Shannon, um, for the record, that's who I'm talking about. Um, Michael Shannon is Corey's, one of her favorite actors. He's also one of mine. Um, in fact, I, I shared an interview with him uh, earlier with you guys uh, that he did with Playboy, where he talks a bit of smack about uh, President Trump. And um, I, I'm I'm a huge fan of his. He he can play a villain, and then he can play a hero. And it, I've heard a few different directors make the bold statement that Shannon is like the best living actor. Which, keeping in mind that Daniel Day Lewis is also still living, um, and that speaks volumes because Shannon has done some very minor parts. Like if you watch Vanilla Sky, he's a security guard. And he's in the wow. movie for, like, less than two minutes. Um, but he, that just made it so much better to me because I didn't know that Michael Shannon was in that movie when I watched it. Yeah, I know. Because, again, and then, I mean, this is a guy who's one of the only highlights of a DC movie. Like, I love General Zod, you know? Right. Um, he's great there. And then uh, he can be that villain. And then Shape of Water last year, just outstanding. But then you look at the stuff he's done with Jeff Nichols, and he is so much more subdued. Um you know, take shelter is such a character study, and it's he's introspective. He's, um, you know, he's a good guy. He's not losing his mind. He does get mad a couple of times, but like, uh, I I love take shelter. It's it's it was such an interesting movie. He's married to Jessica Chastain in that movie. Um, their relationship is interesting. Uh, his the the idea of masculinity and like he's ashamed of uh, some things that happened to him throughout the course of the the movie, primarily because they're caused by nightmares, and he's like. 
he doesn't know how to deal with that because he's he's from this culture. I mean, he's just so terrific, and I I've liked everything Nichols has done. Um, I've heard, I think I've heard mainly good things about Shotgun Stories, but I've not seen it. Um, I need to try to make an effort to watch that one. But everything else I've seen of his, I've very much enjoyed. Um, I I'm expecting he's got to have one coming out soon. I would think because, um, it's been a couple years. Um, yep. He's got two in the works on IMDb, Alien Nation and The Boy Who Played with Fusion. But yeah, so he's done five movies, Michael Shannon's in all five. So Is Alien Nation all one word or separated? Separated. Um, and it's just listed as in development. There is nothing detailed about all it right. yet. So. I just wonder because that was that would it, 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 I'm, I w- if I had to take a wild guess, that's probably a remake or reboot of the Alien Nation, Mandy Patinkin, a uh, long time ago. Um, sci-fi film. Yeah. Which might um, be ripe for... There is a reading. plot summary. It says an alien race arrives on Earth and tries yep, to that's coexist. It. That's it. Yeah. Right. So, that's it. Um, no other information on either one of those, so it's they're super in production, but they're not... I mean, it's been two years since Loving, but he did have Loving and Midnight Special come out, so got to give him a little bit of a break, I guess. If he just, he's involved, if he's involved, uh, you know, I'm in, because just the ones you've mentioned that mm-hmm. I've seen... And the other stuff that he's been in and that I've seen, he has never let us down. So now, mud, um, mud seems to be hit or miss with people. I really like mud, and it has it. Um, that introduced me. You say you couldn't finish it? I like watch maybe a third or a half of it, and then wow. I stopped and haven't gone back. Well, to that it. introduces us to Ty Sheridan, who is uh, the lead in Ready Player One. That was the first time I'd seen him in a movie, um, and I really liked him in that movie. I liked him better in Mud than I do in Ready Player One. Um, Reese Witherspoon's in it, and but McConaughey I thought was really strong. Um, it reminded me of like a Huck Finn tale in some ways. Um, hmm. it, I don't know. I I really liked it. Um, it's been a couple of years since I watched it last, but um, that was the first Nichols film that I saw, and then I worked backwards and saw um, Take Shelter before I saw uh, Midnight Special and Loving, um, both of which I I saw I saw Loving and Midnight Special in the theater and loved both. Um, Midnight Special is definitely, I think, better overall. I, I guess we should point out, though, in Midnight Special, we get, um, aside from the awesome Michael Shannon, and we already mentioned Kirsten Dunst, and, uh, Joel Edgerton, Adam Driver, but um, uh, Jaden Lieberman, who would be, or Lieber, Lieberher? It's a, I didn't realize it was a double R at the end, uh, who is in St. Vincent and the very much loved by us, It, from last year. Um, he's Billy in It, it so... Oh my gosh. You didn't put that together, huh? <laughs> no, because he's like six in Midnight Special. I'm just kidding. He, yeah, it's he so is funny younger. though. Because, uh, hold on. Um, Midnight Special was 2015, and it, you know, not even probably filming maybe two or three years apart. I don't really yeah. know. But he looks so much younger. I, I, I feel like uh, Midnight Special might have been on the shelf for a little bit because uh, oh, Love came out the same year. So it might have been done and just sitting, waiting to get released for some reason. But um, yeah, if you if you've slept on Jeff Nichols, because um, most of his movies are very indie, um, highly recommend them. And the collaborations with Michael Shannon again, all five of his movies have Michael Shannon in them to some degree. Uh, three of which Shannon is the lead, and then the other two he's more cameo. But um, that's my number four. So let's move on to Corey's, uh, which is the same. Sorry, I, I spoke so much about a movie about no, these two. I- I don't really have a lot more to say. Um, I love Michael Shannon so much. 
he first came to my attention with uh, Boardwalk Empire, where he also plays a crazy person. Oh. Um, yeah, he, I think, not a DA. He's, it's like during Prohibition, and he's like part of that. He's like a special agent or something that takes down like legal sale of liquor and things like that. Um, but he's nuts. So I don't really have a lot more to say to this, but I just think that Michael Shannon's really great, and I'm glad that apparently Jeff Nichols thinks so too. Because uh... yeah, I mean, I they have to be friends, I would imagine. Oh yeah. At the rate that, especially because Jeff's first couple movies are super low budget for him to get Shannon, they they must have had some kind of uh, connection to there. I don't know if Nichols like comes from a like a production background. Maybe he was a camera person or something um, first. And so he maybe he'd work with Shannon or something like that. I, I'm not sure of their background, but they've five in a five movies out of five is it says that they got to have some kind of personal relationship. So, and sometimes that's how it is. I mean, once you once you find people that you work well with, yeah, you may as well bring them along. There's nothing. Yeah, um, that's one of the reasons I think this list was so challenging because there's so many that you see, oh, yeah. uh, especially with in, the indie films, like indie indie filmmakers. Definitely, when they find someone they work well with, they're going to stick with them. Um, you kind of see that across the board. I mean, uh, if you look at the more recent Taika Waititi, um, who's yeah. you know, ha- had his resurgence, he I am having a hard time remembering the actress's name, but she is in all of his films, including Thor Ragnarok. Um, she's one of the voices uh, in Thor Ragnarok. Um, you know, and then you go back to, uh, well, like Jeff Nichols has been around for a little bit now, and um, those indie directors, man, they, they latch on to somebody, even PTA. I mentioned, uh, his working with like John C. Riley from the beginning, hard eight, it, John C. Riley's the lead. And then he's in it like every single movie pretty much that Paul Thomas Anderson has done since then. So, but all right, well, that's Corey. And my, I, yet again, share a number four. Um, let's go to Mike's number four. All right. This was difficult because again, the director, I will, uh, will almost pos- be positive that you are not surprised that I'm picking this director. It's just the number of collaborators that they have had and which to pick. And I wanted to go with someone, you know how I like to pick my underdogs. So I went with this particular collaboration. I went with David Lynch. Yep, I expected who you would. Yes, there's no surprise there. But instead of the common players that you might figure out, pick, I went with Jack Nance. Because they collaborated on no fewer than seven films together. I have the mm. list in front of me going Whoa. all the way back to the beginning. Yeah, Eraserhead. Eraserhead, 77 and Eraserhead, Dune, Blue Velvet, Wild at Heart, Twin Peaks Firewalk with me, as well as the TV series, which mm. obviously I didn't include. Lost Highway, which was his final role. We'll get back to that. And I don't see it on the list, but I did see it on a different list, The Straight Story, which I really enjoyed as well. Sadly, I mean, Jack Nance is just one of those guys. He just kind of blends in. He's he's glue. He's mm-hmm. one of those glue actors yep. for David Lynch. And he's quirky. He I don't know that he was very much different than he uh, in real life than he would be on screen. Uh, he just just I don't know that maybe he just didn't. You know, he wasn't really acting. He just kind of went with it. David Lynch, they surely must have had some sort of relate. Seven films? That's a lot. Yeah, for you know, sure. To work together. And what's the ultimately the sad part of it all in 1996, 
it was really mysterious as far i mean he'd gotten into a fight i guess and maybe he ended up with a concussion he'd had a headache said he and died of a subdural hematoma alone mm. uh, in his apartment it was it, you know kind of and it's one of those you know career you don't realize until you're watching the films and the works and i'd read about that a long time ago and just he's one of those people that just pops up in a david lynch work and it's like oh there he is okay good and Corey and i both get a check on our list for this one because we watched the racer head together for movie club um i think last october i um, did not realize that was him yeah, yeah. he looked very different so in that different. role yeah well he's so very, young very different yes but also, I feel like all the other, like, I like him in Twin Peaks um, as Pete Martell. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. he always has, like, the beard and he has the, like, salt and pepper hair. Um, oh, no, sorry, the mustache. The mustache, yeah, yeah, the mustache. It's just, like, clean shaven and... Yeah, he yeah. looks very different uh, with hair, like eraser head. And he looks hair. so yes. much older than 53. Sorry. He, I'm pretty sure. I forget to guess. He probably lived a pretty hard life. Yeah. Um. I, I don't. I just. Well. Yeah. I just watched uh, one that he's not in. Um. I watched Lynch's The Elephant Man the other day. Um. And was uh. I I saw it when I was a kid, but I definitely don't remember much of it. I remember like fragments of it. And I was so impressed with that movie. It's it's the most straightforward film that Lynch could have made, um, you know, compared to like, especially after watching Eraserhead, you know, uh, I, which you advised against us doing um, first for, because I think that was my first non Twin Peaks Lynch film was Eraserhead. But uh, the elephant man, I was really, really impressed with. And I'm sitting, I have Ma- I bought Mulholland drive on criterion um, during the criterion sale last in July. And uh, I just have not watched it yet, and I blue velvets on my radar as well to uh, knock out here soon. But um, yeah, uh, good, good. I knew I was expecting Kyle McLaughlin um, for, from you, but I, I knew Lynch would be on your list. I, I just figured Kyle McLaughlin he would have been the, the the obvious, pretty yes. Yeah, no, I, I, I not insulting whatsoever. I liked I liked the uh, the curveball there. Well, and to be honest. Lynch could have easily made maybe half this list, but again, wanted to give more. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had a couple of directors where I have multiple collaborations that I could have. I could have made like a top five with like two directors, I think, and had like three of one and two of the other. Um, but yeah, I didn't. But the question is, do you think you know my number one? See, that should have been the challenge. I am curious. Uh, I have some. I have because we share a few directors that we both like a whole lot. So I'm not sure if that director made it on your list or not, um, and you don't know if he made it on mine or not. But um, I do know that uh, I think our first year, one of the, the topics we did was we did top five actors and top five actresses, um, which I think it might be time to revisit that because I've seen a lot of movies since then, and I, I'm pretty sure my list has changed dramatically. Um, and one actor who has easily broken into my top five um, – if I see this actor on a cast, I am going to see the movie. And that's Josh Brolin, who's on my number three. Mm. Do you guys know who I went with his collaboration, though? Uh, I would figure Joel and Ethan Cohen. That would be 100% correct. Um, I often end up bumping the Coens out of my list for some reason. And I love their movies. But 
Josh Berlin is in No Country for Old Men, True Grit, and uh, Hail Caesar, all of which I think he is amazing in those movies. And I think I think those might be his three best performances. Um, and I love him in almost everything. I love him in Sicario. I, I loved him as Thanos. Thought he was great in Deadpool 2 as Cable. But um, No Country for Old Men, True Grit, and um, we don't get to see a lot of him in True Grit, but he is a pivotal character in that film. Um, he is, I would say he's the lead protagonist, really, in No Country for Old Men, although it's painted to be Tommy Lee Jones. I think I think Berlin's character is the true protagonist for 75% of the movie. Um, and then uh, Hail Caesar, he is the lead. Like, he is the only consistent character in the movie. Everyone else just kind of comes and goes in scenes. And I, I feel like people slept on that movie. It's very much a film for film people because it is set in the studio system of the fifties. And so there's a lot of lo- little commentaries about that, um, that I think if you're not versed in the, your film history, you won't get the brilliance that that movie is like some of the musical numbers in that movie is, are so outstanding. The, the Shannon T- Tatum, um, in the Navy suit dance number is Love so great. That. Um, and I, I I hope they do another movie with Brolin because everything they've done with him has been gold to me. Um, I I love I've only watched True Grit once. I need to rewatch that one, but I've seen No Country for Old Men like five times, and I love it every time. I wonder if that's what got him on the radar. Well, no, because that wouldn't fit as far as playing Thanos and then eventually Cable. Hmm. You, uh, you mean Hail Caesar or? Any of them. Oh, okay. And I can't, I'm trying to think of the timeline, so that may not work. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. And I mean, he's done a lot of other movies that I've seen, and I, I tend to like him in all of them. Um, mm-hmm. I've missed some, too, of course. Um, but, uh, I mean, I like, I've, I've, act, I've actively avoided the Goonies, but there we are. I have seen the Goonies. Um, we did that as a movie club episode. Uh, it, it is definitely not a movie I think you can jump into and love like people loved back in the day. Um, you know, people who saw it when it came out, I think, are really attached to it, where I'm less so. But um, I didn't hate uh, me it too. either. Um, I just, nah. I, yeah, it's okay. It's it's ex- exactly. It's I think if you had if you saw it when you were a kid, maybe it holds up and you really love it. If you watch it now, you're just like, really, this is what everyone's so hyped about. But um, that said, there are like moments that are great. I actually like Berlin a lot in that movie. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to list all of Berlin's stuff that I like because it's about collaborations. And so far, he's only done the three films with the Coen brothers. Um, but the I, three set? I mean, those three, though. Those huge. Uh, what, Hell Caesar being the the least well-performing, yeah. unfortunately. But, um, I mean, No Country got the Coens their, their Oscars. And um, True Grit was, I think, kind of put them higher on the map. Like, they'd been around and, like, people love Lebowski and people love Fargo. Oh, I'm sorry. Fargo got them an Oscar. I apologize. I was off. Um, but I mean, to tackle a classic like True Grit, you know, because people are mm-hmm. pretty attached to the John Wayne version. Yes. And I, I actually, I'm not real familiar with the original. I just know it by it's being made. And yes, by it's and just kind of blowing it out of the water. Yeah, I, I I'm really into that movie. Um, Steinfeld is is. Yes. Talk about a breakout performance. Oh, yes. Um, And and it's just so weird to hear as a pop singer. Yeah, and I think that starts Jeff Bridges' uh, descent into the uh, Western archetype character that he now plays, like, in everything. Like, he's always a grizzled old guy with a cowboy hat now. Like, 
I think the like the last ten movies that fits his his description. Even like he shows up in Kingsman, the Gold Circle or whatever it's called. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and he's same As thing. An updated version of the. He's just calling it in anymore and give yeah. me that paycheck. I mean, well then, but then Hell or High Water, which he plays, you know, a Texas Ranger wearing a cowboy hat, but he's great in that movie. So, um, it just depends. But that is that has become his thing. Even R.I.P.D. The uh, Men in Black knockoff with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Um, he's yeah. a cowboy, uh, you know, ghost fighter. Like, it's <laughs> Bridges, man. Um, yeah. Anyways, that's my number f- uh, three. Joel and Ethan Cohen and Josh Brolin collaborations. Um, Corey, you've been relatively silent. Do you have anything to add to the Cohen combination there? I feel like that's a great pick. I really like Josh Brolin, and it makes me sad that so many people slept on Caesar. I thought it was so great, and I love, love, love Scarlett Johansson in it. Yes, oh, me too. And she's so I, great. I could have easily have gone Clooney and the Coens too. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I think that it's so interesting though to think about the dynamics of like Hollywood back then, where they were mm-hmm. like arranging marriages between like actors and like trying to keep them in the spotlight and having like clean. And then she plays that for them, but she's so, like, rough and, you know? Yeah. Well, and one more, um, I mentioned Clooney, but really, the first name I wrote down when I wrote the Coens down was Frances McDormand. McDormand, that's exactly Uh, what I was just thinking of. um, Between Blood Simple, Fargo. Of course she's married to... Is it Joan? Oh, really? I'm pretty sure. That would make sense. I feel like you're right. But uh, Burn After... married to one of them. Burn After Reading would be the one I think people have slept on for her performances in the Coen movies. Because her, she, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen Burn After Reading, but um, she and Brad Pitt in that movie are so funny. Um, Brad Pitt in particular, uh, there he has some scenes that just make me laugh so hard. Um, but yeah, sorry, I could uh, Coens. I'm a huge fan. I, I've seen most of, not all of their movies, but all right, that's enough of my pick. Let's go to Corey. Uh, what's your number three, Corey? Okay, so. I chose Steve McQueen and Michael Fassbender. Mm. Interesting. And Michael Fassbender has been in three of his four films. I haven't seen his first film, but Hunger from 2008, which is kind of a hard watch. It's about soldiers uh, that are taken prison, prisoner uh, that are part of the Irish. It's the IRA. And they're on hunger strike and like no clean strike. Um, so that's kind of hard to watch, but also Shame, which is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. He plays a sex addict, and Carrie Mulligan plays his sister who comes to stay uninvited, and that kind of disrupts everything. Oh. And then a movie that I've been trying to get you to watch for so long, and you won't watch it. I know. Um, 12 Years a Slave from 2013. And I know it's hard to watch, and I know that we, you know, rehashing, but I, I really like about Michael Fassbender that he's kind of like Michael Shannon in that regard. He can play a really good guy or he can play a really bad guy. And it's totally believable. I've not watched some of his other movies because you guys have told me they're not good. I still do have this this snowman in my, on Hulu. Ah, yeah. (laughs) I'm Mm, probably gonna, maybe, maybe just, no, maybe just keep it there. I've heard it's bad. (laughs) I've heard it's very, very bad. I have too, but I still want to see it. Um, I just, you know, so yeah. I haven't seen Steve McQueen's other film, but I mean, here we are. 
75% of them are with Michael Fassbender. He's a director I have seen nothing from. Um, and actually, because I mentioned Douglas movies, Michael Fassbender was one of the actors I heard about Shame. Apparently, you see his uh, yeah, his little do. Fassbender in Shame, um, <laughs> as it was discussed by the, uh, the, the panel at Douglas movies. Um, but I didn't realize Carrie Mulligan is it. I've become quite a fan of her. Uh, she's in a few movies I've seen recently. And she I, usually I, plays a character I detest, and there we are. I have a hard time, like, separating. Well, she was in uh, Mudbound from last year, which is really good. And then I just watched... I'm trying to remember what I just saw her in. Oh, I, I liked her in Suffragette, too. Um, oh, she was good in Suffragette. Okay. And, man, I, I just watched something she was in, and I really liked... Oh, Inside Leland Davis, who you probably detest her in that movie, but I really liked... I like her in it. Um, oh, and Drive? Yeah, she's she's always great. Okay, um, fine. Okay, there's two. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, that's, she's worked with Oscar Isaac a couple times, but uh, I, I am very much aware I do need to watch 12 Years a Slave. I, I know um, the subject matter makes me uneasy, and that's why I've not gone to it, uh, because I am so against it. Um, like, seeing Fassbender as a, you know, in that role makes me because i like him so i'm i'm like uh i, I mean seeing him as magneto is one thing like he's a villain but you, he's like a sympathetic villain in in the x-men world because but you're it's like, also well, not real it's, well true it's i know not, i know you know what i mean i know i'm not I, obviously i watch no, tons I'm of movies maybe but, that's maybe that's why oh. though that it, it's harder for you to watch 12 years of slave because he very it, he what it's based off of real characters yeah real people i mean sorry yeah. and the things um, that and, happened um yeah, so I, I need to watch it. Obviously, it's got tons of praise. A lot of people. Um, it's it's got like a ninety six Metascore, uh, lots of Oscar nominations, and I think wins. Um, so I definitely need to go back and, and check it out. Uh, I just it's just one that I know I'm gonna get upset watching, so I've avoided. But um, all right, uh, good, uh, good. I, I'm was curious how you're gonna fit Fastbender in there because he hasn't done a whole lot. Um, of collaborations, I guess you could have went Brian Singer, but didn't feel like you were a huge mm. fan of his X Men movies. Uh, <laughs> no, and I think he only did two of those, if I'm not mistaken. I think Singer did Days of Futures Past and um, First Class, but I don't think he did the Apocalypse. But he might have. I don't remember for sure. But anyways, um, Mike, unless you have something to add about the Fastbender McQueen uh, combo, I think we're moving on to year number three. All right, I'm gonna move to my number three now. I gotta dig up the list again, though, because the list—it's a pretty large list. Uh, we just talked about him, Wes Anderson, and it was tough between it was between so many actors. Yes, and I went Bill Murray because ah. how many did he have? I think he's in yeah, almost I mean, all. All of them, all of them. He's in a bunch. He, what and Anderson's had, done nine films, I think collectively um, easily have been what in seven everything but bottle rocket i think um right he's definitely not in bottle rocket and oh i just passed it i had it but really i mean again bringing up moonrise kingdom i'm like there he is and you know the life aquatic with steve Caesar, rushmore mm. oh man. Uh, uh, that's just a couple of them it's not all of them i haven't seen them all yet um i have and I, there we are. See, uh, it was tough. It was tough. I really wanted to go with the Luke and Owen Wilson, but yeah, how could I resist Bill Murray? It's uh, and I was just like I said, I was surprised that Abby sat with me through the duration 
of Moonrise Kingdom, even through the the uncomfortableness, and I, I, I am I guess I'm forgiving and mm-hmm. just kind of went with it. We were trying to dig up uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, and it just didn't seem to want to cooperate with us. Oh man, yeah, that one I yeah. love so much. Um, and that's the thing with Bill Murray and him is the the roles, the length or the size of the role has varied dramatically. Um, like in Grand Budapest Hotel, he's the opening sequence. And then there's a statue of Bill Murray for the rest of the movie, but that's it. Um, and it's not of Bill Murray, it's the character that he's... Uh, and even that one, that's one I've missed. I oh, so good. to watch. Yeah, I know, I know. And I didn't even mention the Royal Tenenbaums. So. Yep. Um, which was my my birthday present um, from Corey. And uh, I, I have on my honorable mentions, which I'll just throw out there now, I have Anderson and Jason Schwartzman. Um, because yes. he brought us Jason Schwartzman. Uh, Rushmore was Schwartzman's first role. Um, it is my favorite Wes Anderson film still. Um, I, I like many of his movies. Um, I'm a big fan of many of them. I, I like both the animated ones quite a bit. But Rushmore just hits my uh, funny bone perfectly. Between Schwartzman's um, hipster snarkiness and Bill Murray's deadpan, it just kills me throughout the entire film. I'm just in a like a paralyzed grin. I'm just smiling the entire time I watch Rushmore every time I watch it. Um, so I could have, I would have easily gone Bill Murray as well. Um, I, mean, I could have gone Luke and Owen, like you mentioned uh, for sure. Cause they're in so many of his movies. They went to college together, uh, co-wrote oh, okay. a lot of the films. Um, okay. Yeah, I am. That's the well, funny I mean, thing. He's not on my top five and I'm like, obviously a huge wow. Wes fan as I'm spouting off like incessantly facts about him. But uh he constantly gets bumped off my list, and I don't know if it's just because I feel like it's a trendy film nerd thing to like, so I like back away from it. Um, I feel like you're invested enough that who cares? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> well, ult- I mean, ultimately, Schwartzman was going to, I feel, come to our attention. It's just mm. he happened. Well, I mean, he's, his uncle's Francis Ford Coppola, so. I forget that. That's, and uh, his cousins with Sofia Coppola yeah. and cousins with Nicolas Cage. Cage. And... Yep. Which is crazy because Schwartzman is such a better actor. Uh, <laughs> and, well, I mean, Nicolas Cage at some point switched over. He yeah. was an actor, became the performer. There we are. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but and uh, I, I, I'm, I'm biased, too, though, because I love his mom. Talia Shire is one of my favorites. Mm. So. Well, and I, I'm a huge Bill Murray fan. I've been an I've you know I watched that documentary back at South by um, Finding Bill Murray, which I was tricked into thinking it was the good documentary, which I still haven't seen. But I saw the crappy one where it was just mainly about a woman wanting to see Bill Murray, it had nothing to actually do with Bill Murray, um, other than her interest in him for no Here. real reason. Yeah, it was not well made either, um, and uh, I was tricked into it because there was another one at the festival. That's what I thought I was getting a screener of, and it was not. But um, uh, I am, I'm a huge Bill Murray fan, going back to Ghostbusters being one of my all-time favorite movies, and I think Groundhog Day is the epitome of his his comedic <laughs> expertise. I just think he gets to really shine in that movie, um, especially the deadpan, quick-wit style of his, but then Rushmore. Um, but even I love Life Aquatic as well, and yeah, g- great pick. Um, obviously, I, I hit many of the films on that one, uh, so I'm three for three with you so far. Um I, I went right is what it looks to be. Uh, now I just have to make sure two and one I've seen something from. But speaking of right, can I go to my number two? Yeah. So 
probably a surprise. Um, my number two pick is Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg. That's what I mean. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's probably a surprise that it's not my number one, um, as I have adamantly praised Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright. And if you've listened to the top five podcasts, they have been on my list probably more than anybody else in some capacity between uh, Edgar Wright's movies are my all time favorite film of Scott Pilgrim versus the world, which is the only well, that and Baby Driver, the only two movies Simon Pegg is not in, um, of Edgar Wright's, and, uh, I've even seen the TV show that they worked on together called Spaced. Um, they, it should be noted that, uh, the three films, uh, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End that Simon Pegg and Wright have collaborated on, Simon Pegg co-wrote with as well, so it's beyond actor-director collaboration, it's actually writing and acting and directing collaboration, um, but those three films are among my favorites, um, I missed the boat on space, and when I was able to actually watch it, it's one of those, oh, I'll watch it sometimes, watch it sometime, and totally missed it. Yeah, I'm really glad I did watch it. There's, uh, especially, um, I don't know if you ever got into the Resident Evil video games, but my friends, like, uh, David, who is my, the editor at BerkReviews.com, um, he, you know, keeps me from making tons of grammatical errors, um, and of another friend who might be, uh, getting discussed quite frequently on the show at some point in the future, but, um... They were, we were all really into Resident Evil, and there's a whole episode dedicated to Resident Evil 2 in space that is just fantastic, and it's kind of a precursor for Shaun of the Dead, because there's, you know, zombie elements in the episode, um, but yeah, I, I love space, Nick Frost is also there, I could have added Nick Frost to this as well, um, but, uh, yeah, Edgar and, and Peg, um, each time I watch those movies, I find more love for them, um, every single time, like, I, it's, it, my love of them increases exponentially just because i see something i didn't see before or i'll catch a little joke or a little nuanced performance piece um and i have become a huge simon Pegg fan outside of the edgar wright films like i've pretty much he's on that list where if he's on in something i'm going to probably give it a go um i won't necessarily like it all there's he's done some movies that i'm not a huge fan of but generally speaking if simon Pegg's name is in the cast i'm going to uh give it a watch um and i've seen obviously edgar wright's only five movies uh a sixth one that was never released majorly called a fistful of um, a fistful of fingers, if I'm not mistaken, uh, which was a like a spaghetti western student film he made is supposed to be getting a Blu-ray release this year, and so I will hopefully add that to my collection and make that six films that Edgar Wright has directed. But that's all he's done so far, so I, I have um, not a lot to to choose from there. But I, I love those movies; they're among my favorites of all time, and I just the the team up of Peg and Wright. I hope is not over. I hope we get another movie with him and uh, hopefully Nick Frost as well. But if not, the trilogy they gave us is so excellent, it's worth it. It, it is. And, you know, having loved those, and it, I don't know what my deal was. I should have watched Baby Driver at the in, on the big screen. Yep. And I don't know what my deal was. I don't know, man. Yeah. I, my biggest regret is not seeing Scott Pilgrim on a big screen as it is my oh, favorite movie. That's, yeah, um, same thing. I, I hope there's going to be a rescreening soon. I think uh, next year will be the 10 year anniversary, if I'm not mistaken. Oh heck! Um, Is it really? Yeah. Good night. So I, I'm hoping we're getting some retro screens next year, um, so I can see it on the big screen and uh, get to you know witness my favorite film of all time in the format that it was designed to be seen in. Um, and I hope there's some kind of like special like version or something that they release with, or like oh, it a says 2010. 
Is it 2010? I'm off by two years. Crap, I could have sworn it was 2009. My bad. 2010. Still, it's close. We're, we're approaching the 10-year anniversary, which means mm. I should get my opportunity to see it on the big screen. What if they did it like uh, like um, High School Reunion manner? What do you mean? For Scott Pilgrim? Yeah. Uh, you mean like... Oh, I say- guess that only only one or two characters. Mm, never mind. Never mind. Never yeah, mind. yeah. Well, I, I wasn't sure. Like, do you mean like it would be? I don't know. I, I hope it gets a. Re- I'm sure it will get a rescreening because Edgar Wright has grown quite a bit in celebrity status since then. Um, plus, everyone in that cast has grown exponentially. Uh, I mean, God, Chris Evans, uh, Brandon oh Routh. I mean, the people Anna Kendrick, like who is like nobody at that time, is like now a megastar. So, yeah. Um, I, I expect that to get a retro screening and have quite a turnout. Um, it's still, and it has such a cult following right now. Um, I, I, I'm looking forward to it, but all right, that's my yeah. number two. Can't... And so plans must, plans must be made. Yes. Uh, because that one should be one that I should not miss out. Definitely. No one should miss out on. Yeah, we will, I'll promote the crap out of it as soon as I find out that it's happening. Cause I want everyone to see that movie, uh, who has still not, there's still a lot of people who have not given it a chance and it is not for everybody. Um, it's, it's very, it's very chaotic and it's got so many references to things that if you're not familiar with, uh, they will go right over your head for sure. But if it, if it hits correctly, um, it is one of the best things that's ever existed. So you mean gelato isn't vegan. <laughs> Number two, Corey, what do you have? Okay. I chose, uh, you McGregor and Danny Boyle. Oh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I missed, man. Yeah. Big Good surprise pull. here. Um, but obviously love him as Brenton and train spotting and T2 train spotting. And I watched shallow grave for the first time a couple yep. years ago. I remember you Not telling the me about best, that. Though. That one, that one was, fa- how can you follow where, where did shallow grave come uh, on the timeline? 90, um, it was the first 1994. And yeah. I think that it might be, I want to say that it was either Ewan McGregor or Danny Boyle's first. It's okay. Boyle's first feature film. He'd done a couple of TV things and some series, but that was his first feature film. Okay. It, it showed. I, I liked. I didn't dislike it, but I think having. I think I watched it in the wrong order. And they're also mm-hmm. in I a know. life less ordinary. I think together, right? Which I haven't seen. I, oh, yeah. I love. Oh, Rachel and I saw that in the theater. I loved it. It's, like it's, it's a no. Yes. Yep. She and Del- Delroy Lindo, the the role they play, mm-hmm. uh, and it's one of those no gray area films. Sorry, Corey, I keep we keep jumping into you. It's fine. Um, I did add that one to my list. Um, I did like Shallow Grave, but I love Train Spotting. I have the book. I'm gonna read mm-hmm. it at some point. Um, and I thought that they did a really good job with T uh, two, especially yeah. after twenty one years. Yeah, they, it's a excellent sequel. Um for sure and that's why i didn't i i actually thought of this because i the train spotting and train spotting 2 i love so much and i am such a big ewan mcgregor fan but i haven't seen anything outside of the train spotting collaborations so i didn't well, and we've talked about there were hurt feelings when he didn't cast ewan mcgregor for the beach i believe mm. but i'm hoping since they've done t2 that they'll go back and do something else some more. yeah the beach too TV too? No. <laughs> I really like Danny Boyle anyways, but yes. Yeah, I, I am a uh, Steve Jobs is one of my favorite um 
like like films that I've seen that's uh I don't want to put it like it's not in my top 50 but I really love Steve Jobs and it's of his it's a Danny Boyle film that I think highly of um you could have gone Robert Kyle, Carlyle too because of 20 yes. days um and oh, I love him in that movie he's such a I want oh um yeah Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. well he's so good in that movie but he's such a despicable it I don't know how to explain it like it's despicable that he lies about it but also what could he do and and Boyle is such a um you know he's doing the new Bond movie uh he's doing the next Bond film with Daniel Craig I might Bo- actually watch it uh that they're currently just calling Bond twenty five but uh Naomi Harris Ben uh is gonna be it looks like um the 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 main characters if you've been keeping up with the Daniel Craig ones but uh, I'm very intrigued to see a Danny Boyle Bond film because he hasn't done action um really I I haven't seen Sunshine so I don't know if that qualifies but Twenty Eight Days. I definitely think you could argue as an action film, um, either one, uh, but it, you know, it's action horror. So I don't know how he'll do bond. I'm, I'm curious, um, for sure. Cause the last bond movie specter was bad. So, uh, we'll have to wait and see, but I, I'm not surprised to see this on your list, Corey. I know you're a huge Ewan McGregor fan anyways. Um, and obviously we've, we've watched several of Boyle's films, um, outside of that collaboration. So I knew you were a fan of his as well. So, um, I guess that leads us to Mike's number two. Jesus, back to me already? Gosh. Uh, okay. Um, this one was an easy pick for me. I think this was where I began writing my list. And I apologize. I don't know why that's coming up with sound. Uh, but actually, my number one and number two were the ones I... And then the rest of them... It, it, it was a, in a constant state of flux over the last couple of days. So... Um, I went with Lassie Hallstrom and Johnny Depp, and I've had this conversation um, while I can't remember. I, I think Johnny Depp came up and during the course of some class time, and let's—he's uh, to me gone the Nicolas Cage route, and I really liked his early work a lot better than what he's done recently. Um, hello. Yeah. Oh, okay. oh, I said he needs okay. to stop. Oh, okay. I, I heard. I heard, I, I heard stop. I'm like, oh, well, am I getting no. direction? I didn't know if. I, <laughs> no, he just um, needs to stop I was like, now. geez, okay. Uh, well, he used to be uh, my it, favorite actor, and now I'm just yeah. like, what are you doing? What are you well, doing? Well, I mean, just they only worked on these two, and I put in my little comments. I wish there had been more. What's eating Gilbert Grape, which I just recently watched, and I can't ever get enough of, even though it's bittersweet. Yeah, it is, but it's so hard to watch in parts. But so easy to and others and the way Leonardo DiCaprio mm-hmm. just and the and I cannot the name of the of the actress that he, she just recently passed I believe that played the mom that yeah. was never going to play another role you know oh. besides Darling this just uh, thank you thank you and uh, you know just that little slice of life. Crispin Glover, who you hardly ever see, uh, John C. Riley, is he in it too? Uh, yeah, I think he's the, one of the yeah one of the, one of his something? buddies. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's one of his friends. Just all around, um, I just really dive into it. It's there's no action. It's very dialogue character driven, and you just get into it. Which Chuck a lot was the same way, and my kids. Rachel and I saw Chuck a lot in the theater, so I was fortunate and able, uh, fortunate to be able to see that. And he's not Johnny Depp's a minor role; it's really the other characters. The, uh, but still, that he worked with them and just 
understated, very straightforward. Again, another slice, verisimilitude, slice of life kind of work. Nothing as far and as far as action is just character and development and their relationships and honestly I, I don't know if it's just me trying to feel better for, about myself because I I'll, I uh, how many minutes is it into it's 23 minutes into the last ever Sharknado and oh, you know that's that's a yeah that's I set the DVR already and maybe I can justify watching that kind of stuff by watching the Lassie Hallstrom stuff. Now there, there are some other works that he's done on my life as a dog, at least here in like, and where we are just caught. There's a scene between two, two children that caused a huge uproar that someone legitimately requested to buy the VHS copies just so they could burn it. That's oh, how man. strongly they felt about it. And I'd never seen it. So I'm like, but I wanted to not, not because of some salacious weird, it was weird. I don't know. Something triggered them. Something I think was up with that person for them to truly, I mean, to burn a copy of a VHS, a, a movie. I just, something was up with that. Yeah. But just, if you've never seen them, what's eating Gilbert Gray, obviously Corey has chuck a lot as well uh that really nice double feature but probably want to find something a l- well no chocolate has an up it, it doesn't end and uh, as uh, on a quite a somber note as i would say what's eating gilbert great does uh, i so i had to look her up when you were thinking about her name this was her only film and she got yeah. it after an episode of sally jesse Raphael. Mm-hmm. Kind of too heavy to lo- leave their house, and she really was a recluse. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of. Um, I've she's seen... so good in it. Yeah, yeah. She oh, is. yeah. Perfect, and just yeah. Um, well, and I mean, okay. So the and I, I apologize. No, uh, you're it's uh, the the youngest sister. When there, there's a pivotal scene, then we did the spoiler alert, so I'm just gonna go with it. The 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 death of the character, and you know, you can see it on her face. Because she's not proud that that's her mother. Yeah. And you could just see her, you know, a teen, their first thought, yeah, their, their, their mother's dead. But her first inclination is, what is this going to look like? Especially when she hears, well, we're going to have to get a crane. Yeah. And, you know, how are we going to – and it's just heartbreaking because I'm like – I remember back when I first saw it thinking, wow, that is so self-centered. But now – Again, having worked with kids that age, it's like, yeah, yeah, that is going to haunt them. Yeah, they're going to be tormented over it. Exactly, exactly, and it's that is totally nothing of that child's control. Yeah, and yeah, I I really liked uh, that film a lot. Chocolate has been brought to my attention a lot lately for some reason. Um, it was a movie that when it came out, I passed off as like you know, like stuff that I would never enjoy, like that kind of melodrama, just like whatever. Um, but I may have completely misread what that film is, and it's on my radar to watch. Uh, there's actually a whole segment in I Love You, Man, with uh, Jason Siegel and Paul Rudd that deals with Chocolat, where, like, it's pretty... F- I, I, if you haven't seen it, it makes no sense, but it's really funny. But um, just for sake of time, I think we do need to move to our number ones, because uh, we're hitting almost that hour and a half mark. So, oof, oof. Um, my number one is uh, probably, maybe predictable, but... Um, and I'm, it's it's weird. It's more the actor that pulls me in than the director here. But uh, Quentin Tarantino and Samuel L. Jackson is my number one. <laughs> um, I um. <laughs> love that collaboration so much. Uh, whether we're talking Pulp Fiction, which is probably my favorite Samuel L. Jackson character ever. I love Jules so, so Jules, much. Yep. 
Um, but Jackie Brown, uh, he he is the gun dealer, and I he has some of I think the most quotable lines ever in Jackie Brown that maybe people just haven't it, seen. Um, AK forty seven when you absolutely, absolutely I can't yeah <laughs> yeah but that line man that line is so yeah, iconic. So um, then uh, you know he has cameos in Kill Bill Volume Two and Inglorious Bastards, but then he shows up uh, as a awful character in Django Unchained that is so great. Like the performance is amazing, but oh my god, what a horrible character that he is and then uh the hateful eight he gets the lead again um and i love his character in the hateful eight like he gets some some of my favorite monologues that he he's had um but i mean there's there's no better than jules um for me uh especially even in 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 tarantino's films i just think jules is the best character that he's written um you know he's he's got some amazing lines he's always samuel jackson samuel brings that that kind of uh persona that big character he's he's ballsy he's not afraid of anything and yet there is this human element to his characters that i really really always connect with um i i'm i'm i went through a weird phase with samuel jackson uh it was about the time that he did uh snakes on a plane that i started disliking anything he did automatically like without giving it a chance just because of like he'd hit that b movie level of fame Mm -hmm. but then it became apparent that he just does everything it, it, it's like well, he's one of the best speed actors in Hollywood. Yeah, because he'll do almost any role, and I kind of like that in a way because he's working. He's a hardworking man. <laughs> like he's like, yeah, I'll do, I'll do snakes on a plane, and I'll make it funny. I'll make it campy, and then he can do a dramatic role. He can be serious. Um, he can he can be an action star. Like he can pretty much do it all, and he he does. I mean, come on, as Nick Fury, could there be a better Nick Fury than Samuel L. Jackson? Like it's like it's like he was born for it. Yeah, I mean. I mean, more, it was like they, they shifted the character in the comic books that started off as a white guy uh, into a guy that was very much Samuel L. Jackson in the comics. Probably with, like, maybe one day uh, Sam Jackson can play him because, man, he's perfect. We could probably thank the David Hasselhoff treatment. Yes. For, for, yeah. <laughs> that movie. But um, <laughs> I know we're all fans of Tarantino and we're all, I think, all fans of Sam Jackson in those movies. So... We don't have to dwell on it. Um, it's it's always, again, I made a comment earlier about putting Wes Anderson on the list and being like a film nerd answer, and Tarantino is such a film nerd answer, um, especially like, you know, wannabe, like, cinephile. I think a lot of people latch on to Tarantino as the, the indie director they know. But in this case, it's more Sam Jackson for me that's pushed them up that far on my list because I love when he's in a Quentin Tarantino movie. I think he makes the movies that he's in for Tarantino. Um, you know, uh, I really, Hateful Eight, I think uh, lives and dies though on Jackson's performance, but Walter Walton Goggins' performance as well. I think those two make Hateful Eight such a good movie, especially because it is so yeah. dialogue heavy. Um, I think that their performances would have, if they, if not those actors, it may not be nearly the movie that it is. So I, I need to revisit that, and that's another regret in life not going to see because you got to see the big print of it. Didn't I you? saw the Roadshow, yeah, where yeah, it was with the in- yeah. intermission and everything. The Oh, you did too? Boise. No, stupid Boise oh. didn't get it. Yeah, I had to go on Christmas Eve in order to see it, though, here in Tampa. And luckily, my wife is awesome and said it was okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah. I don't know that I could have done Christmas Eve, so. Yeah, I, I got. I, I wasn't even going to ask. Um, David, who I mentioned earlier already, uh, was like, come on, let's go. And I'm like, dude, it's Christmas Eve. And um, I'm sorry, I just had a Blink-182 flashback. 
Oh yeah, man! I, you it's know, Christmas Eve. Two wrapping presents. Um, yeah, but yep, yeah, that's that's my number one for sure. Um, again, mainly because of Sam Jackson more so than Tarantino, and I have a lot of honorable mentions. So, um, unless anyone has to say something about Tarantino, let's go to uh, Corey's number one. Okay, so this one's going to be no surprise at all, but I couldn't leave it off my list. I went with Jeremy Saunier and Megan Blair. Yep, I thought that would be on your list. (laughs) Yes, and number one, um, Murder Party from 2007, (laughs) Blue Ruin, which was the first Saunier movie that I saw, Mm -hmm. and then Green Green Room in 2015. And then I also posted about it earlier, and they've been friends since childhood, so I really like that they are, you know, they continue to work with each other like this. Um, Hold the Dark is going to come out, I think, on Netflix. Yes, I'm it not, is a Netflix oh, actually, movie. It's coming to theaters, I think. I think they are on. doing a, a limited run. I don't think it'll be in many yes. markets, but it, market. in order to qualify for uh, most awards, it has to have some theatrical run. I think it has to be in theaters for at least a week or something like that. Um, mm. So it will. that's Netflix's model, but most likely it'll still be in on Netflix the same day that it's in theaters. But That's, we all want to see it on the big screen. But I do like mm-hmm. that it's more accessible for people. Yes, and I am I'm very excited um, to get it's, to see this movie because I don't it his movies have been up and down with availability in theaters. Like Green Room did came to our actual local theater, which shocked me. Um, but I, I don't know. Oh, man, I, gosh, it, another one that I We're getting more circulation then because even now with some of their films, they're like really limited and i'm having to wait for them and i have like 27 million theaters in my area not really yeah. but i have quite a few um but this movie is going to be directed by sonny but it's uh screenplay is written by megan blair yep so i'm pretty excited but and that's I'm, my number one um we we've been a fan of both of theirs for a while i he that is one of my honorable mentions for sure um i love blue ruin i love green room um murder party is so much fun and such a shocking it, movie um, yes, but uh, and I'm very excited for Home Dark. Um, I'm still hoping we're going to get Macon Blair on an episode. Uh, he said he he said he would, but he's been the summer's been busy partly because of this movie. Um, you know, a lot was still going on with that, and I think he got another gig that has not been announced yet um, from the email correspondence I've had with Macon. So still hoping to have so him I on an episode. On that one, or maybe oh, I wow. can. I just won't talk. Um, yeah, I've talked to him a couple what? times. She she's gonna fangirl is what she's saying. Um, but yeah, so you, mm, you can you can do it. You can do it. That might be why we won't have them on because I I ended up fangirling myself a little bit in an email. Like the oh, first no. the first two, I was very cool and calm, and then like after the third one, I was finally like, yeah, I just want to say hi. We are we're really big fans. And then, but yeah. would you want to go on a show of someone who you aren't is sure with a fan? At least we would have a lot to discuss with him. True, that's true. There well, I mean, there's the danger, and I always fear. Uh, being a sycophant and yeah. uh you know yeah like being or not being as professional as maybe he would have thought yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not, i'm not saying that's what, what would happen no and it hasn't uh, so far but um there we are but yeah uh he i don't know mate oh go on no no i was gonna say we're number one not a surprise for me because it is a no. it's a collaboration that um those two names are kind of attached for me you know because everything i know about both of them started together um, so like, that's how I've always seen Blair and Saulnier together, uh, connected, even though Blair did do his own, um, film, uh, I don't feel at home in this world anymore, which was, is I'm sure is still on Netflix. Um, because it was a Netflix, uh, release originally, although it did premiere at Sundance 
two years ago. Um, and then Netflix bought it. It was one of the higher oh. buys that year. So I also need to give a selling point for Castle Rock, as if you need any more. But Melanie Linsky is in it. Oh, yeah. I'm a big fan of her. Um, I was like, oh, my God, Melanie Linsky. Which, uh, side note, people, keep an eye out for the film Sadie. Um, that is getting a bigger circulation, and uh, it, it's excellent. I saw it at South by Southwest. Um, can't can't praise that movie enough. It's in my top ten for the year. Um, unfortunately, not enough people have seen it for people to know about it. But it was um, Melanie Linsky is uh, the lead. Which um, uh, man, I'm gonna forget his name. The guy from Ten Cloverfield Lane, not John Goodman. John, I always forget his name. Um, but we need to go to Mike's number one. So I don't mean to cut anybody off, Mike. What's your number uh, one? Just curious if you had a wild guess. I was thinking Kevin Smith, but I, I don't know that he made it onto your list. So He did not. Uh, However, another K name did. Uh, I'll go with John Carpenter and Kurt Russell. Oh, doofus. Of course. Ooh. I should have um, known that. God. The Thing, Escape from New York, Big Trouble in Little China. I'm so glad to have been able to see that. On the big screen, if they ever do the thing, the original John Carpenter's the thing. Well, not the original, but his remake of it. I want to. I, I will never tire of the thing. Uh, Escape from New York. Uh, that, that's more of my stepdad's film. He's the one who got me into that one. He was an Adrian Barbeau fan. I can't imagine why. Um, but yeah, this was an auto number one for me. Just, I wish. I mean. I can imagine Kurt Russell in They Live. However, I'm really glad. And that's what that's the one I really thought Roddy, Roddy Piper would become a star from. Mm-hmm. Just, the, again, these two seem to get along so well. The three, I mean, yeah, I guess they're all fairly action-oriented. But still, yeah. just, um, I, I would love to see John Carpenter do more. He's obviously reduced his directorial output but these three this trifecta of films just works for me and i definitely have never tired of the thing in bigger trouble in little china i would probably watch uh, if it's on i will put escape from new york on because it's just as dark as it is and it's it's it takes itself very seriously uh, uh part of me and I think it is documented that was the inspiration for Cloverfield, that the oh. decapitated Statue of Liberty idea. Interesting. I, I, I want to. I, if it's not correct, I don't know why I would make that up because that seems like the detail that they pulled from that poster. Yeah, it seems really apparent. And uh, I need to. Just, um, I saw parts of that when I was a kid, but I need to watch it now. Uh, we just saw Big Trouble again, and I loved it. And I watched the thing. I think. Um, I'd seen it before, but I watched it, I think, last October, like, really sat and watched it, and yeah, just absolutely fantastic movie. Yes. Um, so, yeah, uh, I should have, I can't believe I didn't know, and I've, so, I, I actually went all five of yours, I've seen uh, at least one movie that they collaborated nice. with, nice. so, um, I was right going four, I almost went five, I kind of wish I'd gone all five. Um, <laughs> uh, Alright, let's hit up some honorable mentions real quick, and then we'll wrap up the episode. Um, so, I've got a lot, but I'm going to just kind of power through them. Uh, I got Scorsese with De Niro and Scorsese with DiCaprio. Um, I mentioned Anderson already. I have Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks. Uh, but I had to push that back uh, because really some of those collaborations are not so great of movies in my opinion. Like The Terminal, not like on my high list. But um, Spielberg bounces around a lot. So it was harder to nail down. I wanted to do Spielberg and um, um, 
oh my god, Richard Dreyfuss uh, from Close Encounters and Jaws, but um, Tim Burton, Johnny Depp, I think is a, I, I was wondering if it would end up on Corey's list, it did not. Um, Hitchcock and James Stewart, big, big fan of those three collaborations. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christopher Nolan, and I could have gone Tom Hardy, Christian Bale, or Michael Caine. Um, Michael Caine being in almost, I think, every single one of uh, Christopher Nolan's films. Um, Adam McKay, Will Ferrell. Uh, Kevin Smith, Jason Lee, or Kevin Smith, Ben Affleck. Um, Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig. And then my most recent one, uh, the newest collaboration, they've done only three movies together, but the director's only done three movies. Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan, Fruitvale Station, Creed, and uh, Black Panther. Um, But everything they've done so far has been fantastic. So uh, if they keep collaborating together, I just see more and more awesomeness. But that's my honorable mentions, Corey. David Fincher and Brad Pitts. Yep. Michael Caine and Christopher Nolan and yes. Spielberg and Tom Hanks. Oh, okay. Um, and Mikey? Uh, I had Scorsese and Robert De Niro. It was tough not including them. Me too. Everybody knows them. I had Samuel L. and Quentin Tarantino, Luke and Owen Wilson and Wes Anderson. Yep. And rounding out, I had David Lynch with Laura Dern. because she's in Oh, March, okay. And David Lynch and Kyle MacLachlan. Okay, well, that makes perfect sense. Um, I also, I, I didn't say, but I had Mel Brooks and Gene Wilder, but I haven't seen the oh, producers. Man. But I love uh, Young Frankenstein and I love Blazing Saddles so much. Um, plus, I just love Gene Wilder. Like, I, I kind of, anytime I get to say Gene Wilder, I want to. Um, you know, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory has such a lasting effect on me, and it's all because of him. So, um, that is our top five collaborations. What did we leave off? What did uh, what would you have on your top five? We'd love to hear. You can reach out to us uh, if you email contact at burkreviews.com. That's the word contact, the at symbol, burkreviews.com. Um, follow us on social media. I am at burkreviews. Corey? At Corey R star, two R's on the end. And Mikey? I'm at server monkey. And we will be back in a couple of weeks with another top five. Until then, keep watching movies. <laughs>